one. You guys know that uh, the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy, right? That's what Jesus said. That's his main, main thing, main purpose. And one of the things he tries to kill from our nation is our young, our kids, and especially the unborn. And so um, I've asked Kathy Edwards from uh, Rachel House to come and help me today and talk about um, what Rachel House is doing in our, in our city and uh, even in a lot of parts in our nation and what's going on with abortion. And, uh, and there's some good things. Uh, it's not completed yet, but we're going we're gonna to be talking about that. So let's give Kathy Edwards a hand as she comes and helps us today. Good morning. Well, God is good, isn't he? Amen. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about Rachel House is their integrity and what God has been doing throughout the years. Uh, we are um, a supporter of them. We've been supporting them for many years, and, and we just love them. And so uh, let's give Kathy one more hand as we get started here. Yeah, you won't be able to see their faces, so that's... <laughs> So, Kathy, tell us a little bit about Rachel House okay. and their heart and vision. So, um, Pastor Sean was so kind to send me the questions that he was going to ask ahead of time. I jotted down a few notes because these are things I really, really, really want to say. And Lori and I have conversation for hours if we talk because we'll both like to talk. So, <laughs> um, first of all, I would just like to say... Thank you to Cornerstone. I don't know how many of you have been here since 1992, but that's when Rachel House started. And um, I'm not sure how Larry Allen knew that Rachel House was here, but it wasn't long before he was on the doorstep saying, Cornerstone's going to do a golf tournament for you. And I just want uh, you to know that golf tournament is still going on today. Well, not this day, but to this day. Um, to date, the, that golf tournament generated out of the heart of this church has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for Rachel House. So yeah. praise God. Not only that, but um, our records only go back 13 years. Um, but Cornerstone's been, I was telling Pastor Sean that you guys are the definition of our first church partner. And this church is so generous with us that as much as I can calculate, in addition to the golf tournament funds, this church has donated a quarter of a million dollars over the last 27 years. So incredible. That's a lot. That's a lot of money, yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, so um, let's see. Can I... Take one question from the back and bring it up front. You bring it whatever you want. Okay, during worship, um, I was just thinking that we're going to be talking about a lot of things uh, related to abortion in the service this morning. And, um, you know, statistics tell us that I think it's like one in four people sitting in our churches on Sunday have a post-abortion story. So I just want to start out by saying I'm one of those. I'm one of those that um, kind of took my own life in my own hands and did what I wanted to do uh, through really a set of sad circumstances. I got pregnant, uh, sadder circumstances. I chose to abort that child. And um, 
So I just want to encourage you today. You know, I think often about uh, Romans 8.28 that says, For we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him and those that are called according to his purpose. And even before I knew God, I guess he knew me because he took the ugly threads of my past and even that abortion and have woven it into a story that I could have never imagined. Um, is our logo still up there? I want you to know I don't always dress to match my logo. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was sitting in worship, I noticed um, the tagline. The tagline's fairly new because Rachel House is 27 years old now, and we're starting to see children of children that, sure. you know, were saved. So we've changed our tagline to say Rachel House is making a difference across generations. So really quick personal story, and think about Romans 8.28 when I tell you this, that several years ago, oh, probably 13 years ago maybe, I got a, a phone call from a young lady who said to me, I just want you to know that if it wasn't for Rachel House, I wouldn't have my 12-year-old daughter. And I said, oh, honey, I want to meet you. And so she came into my office, and she said, oh, my gosh, I, you're the same lady that I saw all those years ago. I will never forget your face. I'll never forget how you told me the truth about my daughter. And I'll never forget how you prayed with me. And I want you to know if I wouldn't have come here, uh, I wouldn't have her. So I asked this young lady, now a mom of two and divorced, if she was walking with Jesus, if she knew Jesus, and she said, sort of, I asked her to go to church with me. Uh, we kind of took her under my, our wing, my husband and I. Our kids were all older and, and grown and out of the house, and so every Sunday after church, Lori would come home with us, and the kids would come if they weren't with their dad, and it was just, we were just like family. So uh, she began to know my rest of my family, and um, I had a son that was in uh, school away from home. And he came home at Christmas time and said, who is this Lori girl that everybody knows but me? And I said, well, you're going to meet her. So he did meet her. And you don't have to be a brain scientist to figure out. They just fell madly in love. And they got married. And that little girl that... I got to help save became my first granddaughter. Wow. And um, God causes all things yeah. to work together for good. And now guess what? September, a new baby's coming. Kennedy's having a baby. Yeah. A baby that wouldn't be here if Kennedy's mom hadn't gone to Rachel House. So we are making a difference across generations. Don't ever, ever, ever believe that God can't forgive you and use you to do amazing things. And uh, so if you're post-abortive and you're here today, I'm just telling you that because he makes all things new. And there's resources at the table out there if, you're, um, if you would want to invest the time to go through, if not for Grace Ministries, which you may be familiar with them here at Cornerstone. And um, so I just invite you to do that. Amen. Amen. Let's see, what was the question? <laughs> You have a video to show about Rachel House, right? I'm sorry? You have a video to show about the statistics? Um, I do. I think one of the uh, questions that you asked, the first question, was it about um, 
Oh, that's the second question. Okay, yes, have a video. Go ahead and show that video. In Kansas City, there are an estimated 10,000 abortions every year. In an eight-year period, this number could empty Arrowhead Stadium. Rachel House is not a house, but a pregnancy resource center with multiple locations in Kansas City. Rachel House opened in 1992 to help those experiencing unplanned pregnancies and has expanded to include not only free pregnancy tests and ultrasounds, but case management, education programs, and resources for both mom and dad. The majority of the clients we serve choose life for their babies. Rachel House also partners with like-minded adoption agencies and consistently sees a choice for adoption higher than the national average. Rachel House offers practical education, case management, and emotional support to encourage these families. We create an environment that fosters relationships with others going through similar circumstances. After baby is born, parents have the opportunity to attend Rachel House mentoring classes hosted by a local church. This strengthens our focus to holistically empower the family unit and to have a positive impact on families now and for generations to come. Rachel House relies on faithful support of local churches, business partners, and individual donors to continue this life-saving work. Each year, babies are saved and lives are changed. Together, we are making a difference across generations. Become a friend of Rachel House by donating today at rachelhousefriends.org slash donate. Wow. Give them, give them a hand for that. I mean, for them to... In Kansas impact. City, they were... You know, um, now do you find that the, the people that are, are mostly non-Christian or Christian or a mix of both that want to looking for possible abortion? Yeah, so when I read that question, I was afraid that I knew the answer, but I did look it up in our uh, database, and, um, you know, um, I believe the statistic is 60-some percent of the women that we serve uh, say that they are affiliated with a Christian church. Not a a Christian church, but a church that believes in Christ. Um, Yeah, 63%, like 28% are... They say they're, they don't have any religious affiliation. And then the remainder, I think that's nine, is um, affiliated with a non-biblical believing church. So why do you think um, young ladies or, or ladies in general would want an, uh, an abortion or have an unwanted pregnancy? Well, um, first of all, when you look at the society that we live in, um, sexual relationships outside of marriage are the norm, unfortunately. Um, I remember an old, old song that said, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. You're, you're as old as I am, you might remember that song too. But um, point being that, you know, we all have that place in our heart that only Jesus can fill. And if Jesus isn't filling that place, then we're going to look for any other way that we can to fill that void. So every store they shop in, probably every commercial they see, what they're looking at on the internet, on their phones, on Facebook, it all points them to a lifestyle of self-fulfillment. And so I think that's a big part of it, Pastor. Yeah, I think um, a lot of times that we don't realize that um, 
everything, our actions, has consequences, good or bad. Now, uh, a baby is never a bad consequence. But a lot of times people think that. So why do you think it's the underlying mindset that leads people to be pro-choice? Where it leads them to, to think that I can abort a baby and that's their choice to do that. Well, um, again, I think that our culture and our media plays a part in that. Um, making people feel like that they ought to feel like that's the norm. But you know, I looked up on the Gall a Gallup poll showed that, um, this one poll showed that 46 of men and 53% of women identify as pro-life. So um, I believe that there are a lot of people out there who are pro-life and they just don't want to get into the controversy of it. Mm -hmm. I also think that um, when push comes to shove, and I've heard this a million times over the 27 years that I've been in this ministry, is, uh, well, I'm pro-life, but I just can't have a baby right now. I just can't have a baby right now. You know, it's hard to tell somebody like that. You already have a baby. You already have a, you're already a mom. You're either going to be the mother of a living baby, you're going to be the mother of a dead baby, but you're already a mom. So um, that's, that's kind of a hard, um, hard question to answer, but I just think that our society tells us that it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, a lot of people, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind sometimes, they kind of try to forget it. And is, and is that the case with some people who have had an abortion, they just tried to forget that? Yes, uh, not only that, but... Um, some videos that I've been watching lately have been saying that there are some women, you know, let's see, what's the verse that says the heart in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And when we're following self, our hearts can get pretty wicked. Uh, some of the interviews that I watched were women saying that, um, They'd have an abortion now and wait to have that baby later, thinking if they aborted it, that the next time they got pregnant, it would be the same life. Um, boy, that's the, that's the enemy talking to them right there. Probably worse than that is the uh, people that say, um, I know it's a life. You know, we've actually had young women come back into our centers and say, could I see my baby in ultrasound one more time before I have the abortion? I don't understand that. And I bet you don't understand it either. But, but she did to her, it made sense. Um, apologizing even to the, to the child. I'm sorry, but this just isn't a good time right now. Uh, we live in a self-centered society. Sure. If, if Jesus is not directing you, then self is directing you. Yeah. And um, when self direct us, directs us, we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. When I was doing a lot of research on this, I, I saw the statistics of, of why um, people choose abortion. And it's because of selfishness that I don't, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't want to right now. It's not something that was in their game plan. And that was the majority of people who... Um, who had an abortion. Now, why do you, um, why are there so many who do not feel adoption's an option? 
Well, I can tell you there's a lot of couples out there that would adopt. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so the, the national average of adoption is only about two to two and a half percent of, of uh, domestic adoption, not international adoption. Um, so I think one thing is, I know this is true, that the, the ladies that we see, they believe that adoption is worse than abortion. Um, I could never carry a baby all that, all that way, and then place it for adoption. It, like it wouldn't know me, you know. I wouldn't be its parent. That would be a cruel thing to do. So trying to make that adjustment in their minds from it's it's just like a Bible, the Bible story where the women took the child to the king, and the king got so tired of them fighting over the child that he said, just cut the child in half and give half to the, this mom and half to this mom. And the real mother said, oh, no, don't do that. Just give the child to her. And the king gave the child to his real mother. But, um, yeah, these, the, these women, they just don't understand. Again, and I don't know, I don't want to harp on this, but it's just the truth. If you don't have the heart of Jesus, you can't think like Jesus. Right. That goes right back to your school. I mean, the more you, the more you learn and the more, uh, the deeper you get with Christ, the more he's alive in you, the more you're dead to self, the better decisions you make. And for a lot of the girls and men, we're seeing men now, by the way, um, that come to Rachel House, they are clear over here. They don't, they need Jesus's love so badly. They need his love. They need compassion. They need gentle instruction. And that's what we try to do is try to help them just rethink uh, the mind of Jesus into their brains instead of the world. Yeah, and I think that's cool that she not only they not only involve women but also the, the the father involved in that too, which is good. You know, I, I as I was kind of just studying for this, I read an article and I didn't know this about the Roe versus Wade decision that the reason that the justices came to that decision of 22 weeks, I believe it was, that um, that they didn't have the scientific information at that time that uh, a child in the womb was a human being. And now we are knowing that a lot more. So we know when the heartbeat is, we know that the baby feels pain um, and, that, um, and that it's coming along. That's why we're seeing all the heartbeat bills. Is, is, that, is that a possibility now because Roe versus Wade could actually be turned over? One could hope. Um, I think that abortion will always be with us, and I believe that uh, crisis pregnancy or unplanned pregnancy will always be with us. So I don't really see our mission changing one way or another. However, in answer to your question, I do believe that a lot of these heartbeat bills, you know what we're talking about, you watch the news, you know about the heartbeat bills where they're saying that if you can see the baby's heartbeat, then you can't terminate the life of the baby. They're all being argued back and forth, back and forth. But the hope is that these laws will be driven to the Supreme Court. And that as they get to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court sees them, and we have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court now that Roe versus Wade might be returned. Re revamped. Re yeah, whatever. <laughs> revamped Change or regone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> when I, and, I, and I do see a lot of change in our nation a little bit about this because abortion rates have gone down. Is there a reason for that? The abortion, just more education, uh, uh, more. 
Well, you know, there's like probably close to 1,500 pregnancy resource centers across our nation. Little, little places that started like Rachel House, little grassroots effort where just the truth is being driven out there and driven out there. And like I said, 27 years later, we're starting to see that although the millennial generation has some pretty crazy ideas about things, they are more pro-life than any other generation before them. And part of that is because you cannot deny anymore. Like by the time you can see life, by the time you can feel life, the heart is beating, the baby is moving, nobody denies anymore. And medical science agrees that life begins at conception. Of course, we know that life began from the foundations of the, sure. of the world, but medical science knows that um, at conception, that's when life is formed. And that, um, you know, on the other side of the coin, we just need to be on our knees like never before. Because if you follow the news at all, and I'm, I know a lot of people don't. They don't want to listen to it. But <clears throat> for every heartbeat bill, there's a counter bill. Um, like in our own state right now, our heartbeat bill is being... Um, uh, the ACLU is trying to um, turn it around. So they're getting a petition together so that that heartbeat bill will never go into law. Um, but like I said, a lot of those, those laws will go to the Supreme Court. But the, on the other side, they're debating on um, what if a baby's born alive? What if a baby's born alive after an incomplete or botched abortion? then does that baby live? Does it get medical care? Is it the mother's choice whether the baby lives or not? Um, those are sad things. I think that can be very dangerous when a baby's born um, and still alive, what do they do with it? And that's the, that's the key is that, do they give it medical care? And that's, for some reason, that's the discussion we're having. Should we even have that, be having that discussion? You know, our my mindset is, of course they get medical care, but but that's how the world is, can be getting worse and worse in the understanding of life. And it doesn't just start with that babies. It can go into to disabled, to elderly later on. And, and some people say, oh, no, it's never going to do that. When, 20 years ago, would you ever thought that we would have a discussion whether to save a baby's life after it was born, to give it medical care? And would it be the choice of the, of the mother to do that? And so that's, that's really, that's why we do need to be in prayer. So how can be a church become more aware and intentional in our influence of life among our daily relationships, not just on Facebook or political uh, stance, but in everyday lives? How can we be more effective in, in helping people and getting the word out and, and really even teaching people about this? Yeah, there's so many great um, apps out there to show people. There's one called... Uh, I think it's called the young one, and we use it in our fatherhood program to just show dad how quickly baby develops. And um, so I think that uh, what we're discovering at Rachel House, maybe what we've always known is this argument can get heated quickly. And um, we have to figure out how to have this discussion without yelling at each other. 
I mean, it may come down to the point where it's, okay, you believe it's alive and you believe it doesn't have any value, but I believe it's a creation of God, and I believe God has purpose and plan for this child, and we may have to agree to disagree, because the old argument was, it's a child, it's a human being, you can't kill a human being, but that, that doesn't work anymore, it doesn't work anymore, so... Um, you know, when, when we show girls, that's one reason why we do ultrasound at Rachel House, so that when they come in, uh, we call it a baby auditioning for its life, because it's really an eye-opener when all of a sudden wow. mom sees a heartbeat, a body, arms, legs, wow, and dads are super impressed. You know, that protector-provider instinct kicks in mm -hmm. in them, and that's their baby. So, um including the dads, I think is a really good idea. Um, what can the church do? Um, well, first things first, pray real hard. Pray hard for opportunities. Uh, don't shy away from conversations. Uh, educate yourself. You know, know what's going on politically. Not for the sake of a political argument, but know what's going on politically. Know what fetal development looks like. Know that a baby's heart starts beating 21 days after conception. You know, know that there's help. Like I said, there's like 1,500 crisis pregnancy centers across our United States. And there's four right here in Kansas City called Rachel House, and we are so happy to help. Um, Rachel House needs your prayers. There is no doubt about it. We do have a prayer team that meets once a week, but you can pray from anywhere. Um, we need volunteers. Um, and unashamedly, we need some more of God's resources. If Planned Parenthood can uh, do what they do with multi-millions of dollars, then I believe that God's people need to be inspired to give, to steward God's money into God's work. Yeah. I agree. You know, we wanted you to, to know about this resource because it's so important. You know, Lisa and I, we've had, you know, the doctors originally told us we couldn't have kids, and it, and it broke our heart. And we didn't, but we didn't believe the doctors. We believed God, and we have three, you know, seven or eight years apart, but we, you know, we have three. And so I've had a family member, you know, we got into discussion one time about abortion, and and they said, well, I'm not going to have abortion. I don't agree with it. Why should I do anything? And they didn't have all the information. They didn't really understand why they even should fight for it. Yeah, they might not be having an abortion. But, um, but they didn't care if anybody else did. You know, it's up to them. But I, I said, well, why don't you care? And so it's so important for us to be informed about this issue. This issue does affect us. This affects our our nation, it affects everything. I believe one day it's gonna be, we're gonna look back at this is America's Holocaust. And, uh, and we need to really be informed on it. I want you to, to know uh, when the heartbeat starts, when that it, it is a human life and, and we believe in, in the sanctity of life. And as, as, as believers, I mean, all, all, we, we, we love life. God loves life, God loves people. And that person in, that, in, 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 in the womb of that mother is a person of, of God formed in the image and likeness of God. And so it's so important that we, we take this and be informed and research it out. And there's so much 
that Rachel House has that can help you. But also, you can also refer people to Rachel House and bring people to Rachel House and let them uh, talk with them and be a part. They don't force anything. They just, they just talk with them and get, let, make sure that they are informed. Can I share the scripture mm-hmm. of that? Sure. Um, we were challenged at some point many years ago. Uh, if you're a Christian organization, what is your biblical mandate? Why do you do what you do according to scripture? Most of you know that the word abortion is not really found in scripture. But um, in Proverbs 24, 10 through 12, um, this these verses really um, speak to me about abortion and about our responsibility to not only save the baby, but to hold back the mom and dad that are staggering. So it's, it's uh, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Well, we know we get our strength from the Lord, and that strength is unending strength. And I think a lot of pro-life people are fainting over this issue. They're, they're saying deep in their heart, I don't believe that abortion is right, but it's none of my business. I love what you just said, Sean. It is our business. It's killing millions of lives in our United States. The verse goes on to say, deliver those being taken away to death. I mean, certainly we can look at slavery, we can look at the Holocaust, but in our time, who is being taken away to death? The unborn are being taken away to death and hold back those staggering to the slaughter. Hey, I don't know about any of you that might be post-abortion, post-abortive, but after my abortion, I staggered. I staggered for years, inwardly, outwardly, trying to find something to numb that pain of what I had done. But if you, as Christians, say, surely we do not know this, does not he who weighs the heart consider it? Is he who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render each man according to his deeds? God's going to hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I agree, this is our nation's holocaust. And, you know, I know churches aren't supposed to get political, but please vote pro-life. No, no political candidate is perfect. We know that. But um, our current president has done a lot for the pro-life movement. And uh, he is speaking out for the unborn, regardless of what you think about him. Um, he ran on a pro-life platform, and so far he has done that. Our, our state of Missouri, we are so... We have such a pro-life... If you have anything else to do this afternoon, look up the... Uh, abortion law in the state of Missouri, your, your chest will swell with pride. It's so pro-life. It talks about life beginning at conception. Uh, consequently, we only have one abortion clinic in, in uh, Missouri, and that's over in St. Louis. And it's open, closed, open, closed. I think right now it's closed, but they're trying to get it back open again. Um, but we can't, we can't faint just right over here in Overland Park, 20 minutes away, we have two abortion clinics. And statistically, we can guess at that 10,000 number, but so often women go across state lines to get services, uh, either because they can get uh, later term abortions or other options, or um, 
they can just get out of their own home state. So tracking abortion statistics across state lines is really difficult. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I'm not very political up on stage. I don't, uh, there's a lot of things in politics, finance, and all those stuff that we don't get into. But one of the things I do get into is uh, pro-life. And I believe you should vote as a believer pro-life. It is so important. And, uh, and that's not a political statement. That is a God statement. That is a biblical statement. And for anybody who would want to kill an unborn, it is wrong and we need to stand up for that. Amen? You can give, you can give a clap to Jesus for that one. I mean, because you know there's, you know, there, Moses was a person that could have been aborted, in a sense, after he was born. You know, the enemy went after him. Jesus, the enemy went after him when, after he was born. And so there's destinies of children that we need to fight for. And the enemy is going after our, our kids. You know, my generation, I'm Generation X, most of them, a lot of them were killed. 60 million have, have, have been aborted in our, in our United States alone since 1973. And, uh, and I, think, I think we need to fight for this. This is something that is worthy of standing up no matter what. And doing that, and I think there are some laws, like in California and stuff, they're they're trying to stop even uh, pregnancy centers from doing the um, uh, the sonograms, right? And uh, I mean, there's a fight going on, but I and I believe it's turning because of the prayers and because of the places like Rachel House and and um, us believing. But I think some of the things that we can do as parents is that we cannot shy away from the talking, the sexual talk to, to our kids. Talking about sex, not and talking about the biblical um, uh, purpose of sex, and making sure that they sustain from sexual relationships before they're married. It is so important that we stand up and we talk about that as as leaders, as 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 um, moms and dads. I know our our youth pastor is doing that. He is talking to them and uh, and being blunt with them. And you need to be blunt because the world is very blunt right now. And we need to be able to make sure that we uh, let them know and let our kids growing up know. Yeah, having this drive, the sexual drive, is normal, um, but it's, it's only supposed to be between a man and a woman at marriage. Amen? And I would also just add to that that um, I don't know how you parent. I don't know whose parents here. I don't know how you parent. I know that when I was parenting, um, kids were in church every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every church camp. Uh, I homeschooled. I did everything I could to keep them in a bubble. I was terrified of the world and what the world would do to them. And I thought if I just talked enough and, and, and gave, gave them enough and they heard it from church and they heard it, you know, everywhere they went, um, but you know, the world still got through to them. Yeah. And uh, I kind of had my head in the sand, honestly. I wasn't going to concentrate on what the Lord was doing. And my kids are in their 40s. So um, now my grandchildren, I'm telling my, my kids, the parental advice I give them is, you better know your kid's world. You need to know their friends. You need to know what they're hearing in school. You need to know, look at what they're doing on their tablets, you need you need to know what they're doing, and not constantly reprimanding, but having conversations. Um, I was 
reminded this week that one of the things that I heard a lot when I was growing up was whatever you do, don't get pregnant. <laughs> and I think my kids' generation, they probably heard that as well. So maybe some of that 63% of those that we serve being Christians is because kids are scared to death their parents are going to find out. You know, yes, teach sexual integrity. But maybe we should be saying, whatever you do, don't kill your baby. Yeah. You know, whatever you do, I love you. I will always be here for you. I think I was so afraid that would be a permission slip to do what they wanted. But they need to know that you love them. And you yeah. need to know that they, they are encountering a rough world out there. When I was a youth pastor, I had to deal with that um, quite often with, with kids. And I always, always would say this to them, the, you made a mistake, but the, mis the baby is not a mistake. That is from God and ordained by God. Now, I want to, you have a video. Let's show a video uh, whenever we end. And uh, we, got, we got plenty of time. Let's show this second video. This is a testimony of a young lady, right? Yeah, this is a, a cross-generations video. Go ahead and show that. My name is Stacy Moore. I am 28 years old, and I live in Green Valley, Missouri. Prior to finding out that I was pregnant, I um, had graduated high school early. I was um, in college early. I was studying graphic design. I felt like I had my whole life ahead of me. It was kind of the thing at the time to chat with, you know, random people that you meet online. So I got into chatting with this guy. He was 34. My parents had no idea. It all kind of happened very fast. All of a sudden he had bought a plane ticket to come here and see me. And um, I ended up getting pregnant and was completely terrified. I never pictured this kind of thing happening to me. I was considering abortion, very, very strongly considering it because in my mind, I felt like it was the only option. Like there was no way that I was gonna be having a baby. I was, you know, 18, I was in college. I barely had a job. I worked at an ice cream shop. My first um, appointment was with Planned Parenthood. Whenever I had my appointment, it didn't go as I thought it would go. I went in and they gave me a pregnancy test. Um, they didn't really say a whole lot to me, just gave me a few pamphlets on abortion and told me that there was this number that I should call to schedule it, and that was it. And so I left there and in my heart, I knew that abortion wasn't something that I truly wanted to do, but I felt like I had to do it. And so I left there feeling like even more hopeless than when I went in. I just, I thought it would make me feel better and nothing was making me feel better. And so I remembered the Rachel house and that same night I went in and just walked right in and the ladies were wonderful and helpful and they sat me down and we talked about it. They gave me a pregnancy test and I remember laying on the table being terrified and after a little while she got kind of quiet and she said I'll be right back and so then they came back in and they told me that I was having twins and I remember feeling all the blood rush to my head 
And I just, I could not believe it. After seeing them on the screen, I just decided that I couldn't do it, that I had to keep them. You know, one way or another, I was gonna make this work. Right after I found out that I was having twins, um, the nurse brought me into her office and we were talking and I told her how terrified I was to tell my parents. I was so afraid. I just couldn't find the courage to do it. And she offered to pray with me. And so we sat there in her office and she just prayed for courage for me. And she was so loving and so nice and I felt for once, I finally felt brave enough that I could do it. And so then I went right home that same night and I told my parents. I remember sitting in the kitchen and all I did was I pulled out the picture and I said, I'm pregnant and it's twins. Before I left my parents' house, after telling them I was pregnant, my mom told me that she wanted to keep the ultrasound picture because she needed time to process it herself. After my twins were born, someone from Rachel House came to my house and brought me two big laundry baskets full of baby things. And there was one that was all blue and there was one that was all pink and they were just filled with all kinds of things for my twins, and that was, I felt like that was the most special thing. If I hadn't have gone to Rachel House, I don't know that Piper and Tegan would even be here. What I love about being a mom is I get to watch them grow up. I love seeing them transform into their own special, unique little people. Tegan and Piper, although they're only 10 years old, I think that they have already affected so many people around them in the community. Tegan has very big goals and hopes and dreams, and he is such a leader. I know that he's going to bring great things to our community in the future. At school last year, there was a little girl that was being bullied on the bus, and Piper went out of her way and stood up for her and made sure that that little girl was taken care of. And she just has such a big heart. Um, she got an award for Bus Rider of the Month for it. And I love watching them and how compassionate they are for others. My kids have brought so much joy into my family's life that we didn't even know we were missing. Um, my grandparents are so involved with the kids. There's a reason that they're here. If I could say something to the people that support Rachel House, I would tell them thank you very much. It always meant so much to me that whenever I went to the Rachel House, I never had to pay anything. I was already terrified of money problems. And so just knowing that that was taken care of was a huge weight off of my shoulders. Anytime that I've run into any girl that is pregnant or thinks she might be pregnant, I have always referred them to the Rachel House because I am confident that they will get the help that they need there. I enjoy following Rachel House on social media. I just saw a post from the Rachel House and my twin's birthday was coming up soon. So I just decided to post a picture of them and I said, 
My Rachel House twins are turning 10 this year, and thank you so much. I am just still so grateful that I chose to walk into Rachel House when I did. Wow. Two, two lives that were saved, amen? Come on, give the Lord praise for that, amen? That's awesome. Now, Kathy, there may be some people here that um, may be pregnant, maybe um, know of somebody who's pregnant, maybe consider an abortion. What would you say to them um, right now? Well, I would say love them, uh, come alongside them. You know, statistics tell us that if just one person will come alongside somebody who is experiencing a crisis pregnancy and support them during that pregnancy, they'll choose life for their baby 90% of the time. Wow. Just one person. One person. So maybe that one person brings them to Rachel House. I haven't talked a lot about Rachel House programs and stuff, but we follow the girls all the way through their pregnancy. And this last year, we started a, um, a program that bridges them into the local church. So we call that our mentoring program, and um, if Cornerstone is ever interested in hosting a mentoring program, you can come talk to me. I'll tell you about that. But basically what it is is it gets the girl from Rachel House into the doors of a church where she sees that you're not really that scary and that the church is really an okay place to come into. And hopefully through the process of that, a 10-week class period where she's meeting with um, other girls that just came out of her Rachel House class. Uh, she may be meeting you here, you know, coming into your sanctuary, raising her child in your church home. And that's the ultimate, to have Jesus, the body of Christ, embracing new believers, yeah. training up and mentoring and discipling new believers. We can't do all of that at Rachel House, but we can partner with the church to do that. Amen. Can I read one little thing? Okay, I, I, I'm going to read this because I think that maybe my generation of people know it, but I'm fading away here, so I'll pass it on to you. It's called The Starfish, Making a Difference. An old man walk up and walked up and down the shore littered with thousands of starfish. They were beached and dying after a storm. A young man was picking them up one by one and flinging them back into the ocean. Why do you bother, said the old man. You are not going to save enough to make a difference. The young man picked up the starfish, threw it back into the water, and said, it made a difference for that one. That's what I think about when I think about the babies that are saved as Rachel House. If we look at the whole of all that's happening, the ugly in our country, I don't think we'd be immobilized to do anything. But one at a time, when they walk through the door, we can do something. We can give them living water. Amen. And we'll make a difference for that one. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Amen. And uh, if, if you're here and you have, have had an abortion before, listen, God's grace and mercy is for you. Don't live in shame. Um, there is some counseling we can help you with. Uh, we can get you in touch with a ministry that helps with that. We love you. Um, uh, yeah, we've, we've made mistakes, but it's, it's, it's okay. God forgives, 
and you know there's uh, there's there's uh, freedom in Jesus now, Amen. And there's a freedom from the shame and the pain, and, but there is some healing you may need to go through because the enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy you. And uh, we want to get you contacted with somebody so you can come to me or call us here at the church. We can get you some counseling and some help for that shame and or anything that you may be dealing with. We love you and we care for you. I want you to reach your hands out towards uh, Kathy right now. Let's just pray for her and, uh, and Rachel House. Father, I just thank you for Rachel House. I thank you for what they are doing in our city and being an example. They have been a, a ministry of integrity. They have been a ministry that have reached out to our city to the least, the last, and the lost. And Father, I bless them and we thank you for them. Father, it's such an honor for our church to be hooked up with them and uh, to be a part of that team of, of saving these lives. And I thank you for Kathy right now. She has been a very strong but humble woman in this process. Father God, I have seen her from afar off and just am very thankful for what she has done and what she is doing uh, in this city and the heart that you've given her. And we just bless her and we bless her family and we thank you for her and her stance. And Father, we just thank you and let her know that we are standing with her in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Give her a hand.